Welcome to Staircase to Nowhere, your ministry and culture podcast. Today, we're talking about friendship. Why is everyone so lonely now and it feels so hard to make friends? Why isn't church the place where real friendships flourish? And why is ministry so lonely? In this episode, we share some stories and memories we have as friends and ask ourselves the question, how can we live this life as better friends? We encourage you to give us your feedback, shoot us your comments and questions. If you want, you can send us an email at staircasepod at gmail.com. Or if you're listening on Spotify, just hit that little reply button to tell us what you think of this episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy this conversation. It is our 10th episode of Staircase to Nowhere. And if you are here, you have stuck with us through thick and thin, through hard times and good times, through lame episodes and fine episodes. And we are glad that you are here with us today for this amazing conversation about friendship. You know, we are friends. We have friends. But why is making friends so hard? I don't know. We're going to talk about it, though. So my name is Noah. I'm a seminary student, and these are some of my friends. I'm David, and I am a pastor, and these are some of my friends. <laughs> I'm Sam. I'm a director of street and community outreach, and these are two of my three friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is the third one Erica? <laughs> yeah, the third one's my wife, so that's really cool. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> And that's why we're talking about this today. You know, this uh, was prompted by a message that David sent a little while ago, just asking, um, where do you guys make friends? Or basically, <laughs> where would someone such as yourself be hanging out on this Friday night? Yeah, that was a funny text because we live, me and Eric, we live like two hours from David and Caitlin. And he text, he texted our group chat and was like, where would you find yourself on a night like tonight? I was like, I think David's trying to hang out with us. Like, I don't, it's already like 6.30. I don't really want to coordinate this. So it really threw me off. But it was a genuine question of like, how the heck do we make friends? Because it ain't Listen, what. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I had just listened to some Bruce Springsteen. I was in a weird mood and I needed to figure out where to find some friends. Bruce. He always does that to me. So. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, I want to get us started just thinking about some funny friends stories. So what are just some uh, goofy things you guys have either done like with other friends or uh, stories about us as friends? What do you guys have? Goofy friend happenings. I'll get us started with it has been so fun. Uh, I started my groomsman group chat. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. So you're getting married. Yeah, <laughs> and uh i have 10 groomsmen we're going crazy and uh i formed my group chat yesterday it is in green bubbles thanks to one person who will remain nameless Boo. and <laughs> i asked the guys would you please send a goofy photo of us oh yeah and uh and uh, david memory didn't together. know how to read that <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you read it incorrectly or what happened when i read of us that's when i said Oh, like when God says, "Let us, let us make man in our image." Let of us, us, as in me, <laughs> and let us send a picture of ourselves. <laughs> so you took it as like plural you, like you all send yeah. a photo of you all. But yes. it, yeah. it was so it, David sent a picture of himself standing in a little creek, <laughs> <laughs> making a dam, <laughs> making a dam. Adam started it with a photo of me. It, you were not in it. Yes, yeah. I was. Noah is very obviously in no! that photo. He's in like a he's in like a blue leotard. <laughs> I think there is one photo without Noah in it. No, that's there's it's yours. Now. <laughs> no, there's one where there's a man in a boat. Were you in that photo? Oh uh, no, I wasn't in that one. Eddie or yeah, Eddie sent a yeah. photo just of yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. I Boom. followed the directions. I sent a photo of you and me. Dressed up as lifeguards with short shorts and mustaches. I sent a silly photo. It's a shame this isn't a video podcast, you know, because I know everyone out. really wants to see that. 
Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, it was so fun. Everyone just sending these photos because it was just like all of the memories of different seasons and times coming back. And uh, one memory here, David, that I thought was fun was when uh, um, we stopped at a Target in uh, Lexington to see you when you were down there at seminary and uh, me and some buddies were driving down to Florida to go f- home for spring break and enjoy the beach. And we just like randomly stopped and hung out at the target. Good times. David's crying. <laughs> no, I think about, I, I feel like a good, do you remember when we had to road trip to Josh's wedding oh, yeah. and I, I picked you up. I drove from Mississippi to Atlanta to pick you up from the airport yes. and like continue driving. And we drove down the East coast because I was like, there's a lot more bridges. If we go that way, I mean, it added a, an hour or two, it but, did. We to, it, but we got to drive past over tons of bridges. And I love a good bridge on a road trip. <laughs> I love driving over. Tell water. me you, you live in Louisville. It's freaking awesome. Me. Well, so we drove through, yeah, like down the eastern coast and down the eastern coast of Florida to Josh's like, like whatever, like the house they were staying in. And we didn't get into like four in the morning. Yeah, because someone wanted and to we, see some bridges. I I did. I got what I wanted. And then I like, then, so we got to this Air, this Airbnb at like four in the morning and I nobody was answering because it was four in the morning to like get inside. And I went around the back and jumped the fence and was like trying to knock on the door to get in. But I was knocking on the door of the wrong like unit. So I was like at this sliding glass door at four in the morning and I saw a bunch of kid toys and like, oh. all this stuff. I was like, this cannot be right. Oh, no. And then I turned around and realized I was like a unit off. And then our friend Mike opened, remember? Yeah, Foggy opened the door for us and let us in. Yeah, which made a lot of sense. But yeah, I yeah, and I twisted my ankle when I jumped the fence, so it was a <laughs> and like scraped my knee up. Yeah, it was it was like four in the morning, and I was like, I just saw a bunch of bridges, and now I'm here ready to party. Here's my memories of this. Okay, number one, we were driving in the middle of the night. You couldn't see any bridges. That's not true. <laughs> the moon is reflecting off the water. It's beautiful. There were no it's, bridges to be seen. on a bridge, maybe. Yeah, you can feel it. It's I know. I mm, the different sound of the tires. Yes. <laughs> Number two, that was when you were playing music on the on the car, and it was Chris Renzema, and I was like, Chris Renzema, you know him? And it was like when he was super fringe, and you're like, Yeah, I just found this guy. I'm like, I go to school with him, and you. That means a lot to me that I know I know a, a musical artist while they're still fringe. That that's I love that. Well, for saying that on record, absolutely. Humble brag. You're, Humble brag. But. You're good at playlists. You really are. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, on Spotify, on. look up Stink Bag <laughs> <laughs> and Sam's Club. Yeah. And although Driving Sam's Club will also result, Sam's Club will result in the Sam's Club official podcast right no <laughs> <laughs> they have a podcast but uh the the other thing i remember on that drive is you and me complaining very much about the church's response to syrian refugees really? that was oh. yes that was our hot topic of the moment getting frustrated with churches that care about reaching the nations being closed doors off to people in syria trying to flee the civil war mm. yeah I forgot about that, but that that sounds about that right. sounds just like us, and we've been having these conversations for a long time. <laughs> I also remember you that definitely dates it in the mid twenty tens. Yeah, it was. I also remember picking you up from the airport and then being like, "You were like, yeah, we'll split the drive, but my car was a stick shift, so <laughs> <laughs> like you got like you got there and was like, actually, we're not going to split this drive." <laughs> yeah, was that the time? Oh no, that wasn't the time. In Atlanta, a different time, you gave away your shoes to a man on the street. Yeah, that did happen. Yes, that happened. And I was so impressed because when the man asked for shoes, I was just like, I'm not giving you my shoes. And you just like took off your shoes and walked around the city until you got in your car and could drive home without any That's shoes. That's how you get athlete's foot. Yeah, Atlanta foot. I've had it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's okay. It's a mindset. It's not a real thing. It's just oh, athlete's just, foot's not a real thing. Athlete's foot's a mindset. It's not. <laughs> I have athletic feet. I don't get why people complain about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this might be my new favorite thing you've said. <laughs> Yeah, put that on a pillow. We'll sell that merch. Athlete's put foot's a mindset. A Athlete's <laughs> foot is a mindset. No! Uh. Actually, David, I have a much better story of us. Because that story that I mentioned, I saw you for like three minutes. Um, yes. It, yes, you did. <laughs> it, the really, Actually, I have a lot of good stories. But Waffle one of the, House. Oh, which Waffle House? I don't just any time Waffle House. Yeah, no. never disappoints. I love Waffle House. The time I was thinking about is when we came down when you were still single in Lexington, and we went and just had like a full weekend with you over fall break. Um, I think it was like your first year, and uh, we just went to Covered Bridge something. And High Bridge. High Bridge. And we watched 2001 A Space Odyssey, but we just got bored of watching it. And so we started like making jokes and like hitting each other with pillows and just like cute. It was like we were all four of us were staying in your tiny dorm room. And I don't know how we did it. I think I think a couple people slept on my bed. Yeah, I think there were three of us on your bed. And I think there was one on the ground. It's like a queen size bed. Yeah, which is perfect for three grown men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. It worked. Yeah, it was fun. We had a great time. Had a, yeah, had a, a great. Um, my one of mine is last summer when we hung out. Uh, all all three of us. Oh yeah, on the on the water on the lake in yes. the water on the lake in the water on the lake. <sighs> that was but, great. But part of that trip that Sam wasn't there for was going to Amish country. Uh, we went to ship your mama. Very... <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, because I missed it, and I want to be sure it's right. You know, it's not right. Amish country, ship your mama. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. No. But it's really fun to see someone who has not experienced... <laughs> Amish land. Ship Shawana. <laughs> <laughs> So and and Noah uh, got scammed at a flea market and bought a <laughs> sure shirt that popped within like two days. I still have it. It's here. No way. This is my nature's lounger. You got which, scammed at an Amish flea market. It wasn't a scam. <laughs> it just was like it seemed like such a good deal for this inflatable lounge chair. Yeah, I was gonna say fill the people in at home on what it is. So it's uh just imagine a big inflatable like banana trash bag. Like, it's like a trash bag, but you, like, you know how you can take a trash bag and, like, pull air into it? So oh, imagine yeah. that you're doing that, but it's, like, a really big trash bag, and you pull air into it, and then you tie it up, and then you can sit on it. You sit between two... Two lobes. of air. <laughs> two lobes? There's two and lobes, it... and you're laying in between. It's a lounger. It, it was excellent. Yeah. They really got you. I, I laid down in it. I was like, this is amazing. I'm having such a good time. And he said, 60 bucks. I'm like, that's it? And I was like, that's a... <laughs> I'll I was give like, you 100. <laughs> I was like, that's a steal for this. And uh, I was able to go on your parents' <laughs> pond with this uh, inflatable raft lounger. And uh, it, it loses air now. Like, I still try to use it sometimes, <laughs> but you have to reinflate, like, three times a campfire in order to use it. That's so funny. Or just add more friends onto it, because since it's, like, inflated, it's, like, uh, you know, it just requires more people. To- but didn't you take it camping, and it, and it didn't work, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll yeah. sleep on this. And then I was like, it's bigger than my tent. <laughs> I just love this image of the guy saying $60 and you're going, $60? That's all? <laughs> boy, oh boy. Yeah, what was I expecting at a flea market? I should have been expecting a lot less than that. $60? I think if you look on Amazon, they're like 40 bucks. Absolutely they are. And I was like, ah, <laughs> dang it. Also, it's like, the experience. I can't find online the brand that I got. So it might be Shipshawana exclusive. Because they were selling these 
different branded things on Facebook Marketplace. Like you can't buy it like at a real website. It might be a multi-level marketing thing. You can only buy one. them at, at Yeah, you got one. I did. Does yours inflate? It stays inflated. I have actually <sighs> I've used yours at your house. It's yes, nice. you have. It is nice. Oh yeah, they're twenty bucks on Amazon. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I might have paid $40, not $60. I'm hoping yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was true. 60 but then he's like, today's a special price only, <laughs> $45.95 or whatever. <laughs> and I think I felt pretty special about that. No, yeah. it was like, I can't not buy it, everybody. Yeah. It's a special day for the me. The funniest <laughs> one is I was jealous of you. I was <laughs> like, oh, I wish I would have bought one. Yeah, you really were. And that's, that's why, why you got one, one for <laughs> Christmas or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. My sister-in-law bought me one, so full circle. Yeah, you held on to that for months. You're like, I really want that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, they have so many fun memories together. And, like, when they talk, they're, like, actually friends. And why can't I have that? <laughs> Dang, call the people why, out. Why can't I be like David and Sam and have three friends, including my spouse? <laughs> it, yeah. Well, for only $60. You, we got a special course. We got a special deal for you today. We, no. If you pay me 50 bucks, I will stand in your wedding. Oh. I will... Come to your bar mitzvah, whatever you want, 50 bucks. That's amazing. Um, no, we're asking... Well, actually, I don't know if David's serious about this, but maybe. Um, <laughs> well, we're asking this question because we're just assuming all of us separately have felt the... Um, I guess, like, the difficulty of if what it means to make friends right now. I, we don't yeah. know why. Yeah. We have some, like hunches we have some like it could be this what about this we have our suspicions mm-hmm. but and even talking to other people um i was having a conversation with my coworker today before i left because i knew we were going to be talking about this and she was like yeah like making friends is super difficult like mm-hmm. why why does it feel like for us our generation for for people these days for for the youths these days why does it feel like having like deep deep relationships meaningful friendships like long term um, like deep community connections just doesn't feel like it comes very naturally. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that um, and maybe explore some of our hunches, but also just like name it if you're out there and you kind of feel like friendship is hard and finding people that you really want to like do life with and really connect with. If that feels like a difficult thing for you, you're not alone because we've all, we all feel it too. Um, even with the friendship that we experience with each other. Um, but all that, even in some sense, to set up, I was doing some Googling, yes. as you do. Once you start asking questions and we take to the internet, um, and I found this Harvard study from, it was re- it came out around, two th- not 2000, uh, like in 21, well, 2021, Um and they just had some interesting things to report. I'm going to drop a link to it in the show notes, but just some in a, some of their key findings. They reported that 36% of the respondents in their survey on loneliness and connection reported that they that 36% of people reported feeling severely or frequently lonely like more often than not basically. Like 36% of people like reported that yeah, I feel more often than not, most days that I feel some sort of sense of loneliness or that I don't have like meaningful connection. And that included 61% of people 18 to 25. So like Whoa. that, in a lot of the conversations we talk about with amongst each other and on this podcast, I think have to do with this next generation or kind of people under like 35. So that number was really interesting to me that young people specifically, like more than half of young people reported or like, yeah, I feel, you know, more days than not, I feel really lonely or I feel like a sense of loneliness. So it's really not, um, it's not uncommon. It's kind of like 
the new normal to feel like mm. this impending sense of I'm not, you know, I feel like I don't have friends or even the friends that I do have, I don't feel like they're every, like they're enough for me or something. I don't know. But yeah, there's, there's some more interesting things in that survey, but I think that just kind of sets the bar for, we're not talking about something that's just our experience over in the world. This is like the new, this is a pretty, pretty scary trend, honestly, like how many people feel this type of loneliness on a regular basis. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 61% saying frequently lonely is a lot. And I think that like the 18 to 25, like that's like your college years. That's like a time when people like would think that, oh my gosh, you have so much time in your life. You have like so much like space. You're around other people your age to like make friends, to live your life. You know, people talk about your like your 20s, go out and live life. And that like so many people are just feeling like lonely and they don't have any true friends. That's like really shocking. Yeah. So I guess for our, like just in our worlds, like what are some, like, why is that? Like what changed? And I think there's a, we can probably, we could talk about some of the dynamics that like COVID introduced, like obviously COVID threw a wrench into everything, but, um, and that's probably a factor in these larger cultural shifts and stuff. But from y'all's perspective, like, what do you think is, why do you feel like making friends or this sense of loneliness? Cause those things feel very directly linked to me. Like a lack of, like if you're lonely, it's because you don't feel like you have meaningful relationships with people that see you or are there for you. So there's got to be a correlation to lack of friendship there too. Like why, why does it feel like having close friends or why, why is that so hard right now? Why is it so hard for us to go make friends? Why does David have to text us and be like, where are you guys? And how do I get, where are you hanging out? And where do I need to go find some people that I could just talk to? One of my uh, one of my theories is maybe a little far flung, but I think it has to do with the design of our communities. Um, if you'll if you'll let me, who has no background in city planning, uh, unpack my theory. Love yes, it. please teach we us. Love, we love to speak thing to things that we don't really have authority to speak. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a it's a I think at one point, you know, society, you would have your, you know, smaller towns or neighborhoods or areas, right, where you did everything, right? You'd have, this is your bank. This is your grocery. You know your grocer. You know your banker. This is where you get your stuff. And then even the design of smaller towns are set up in a way to where you have to see and encounter other people. The problem, I think, is in some ways that urban sprawl suburbanization and the and the HOA type of mindset where you have your little kingdom right trying to ref- and and set setting up our neighborhoods in a way where you don't walk places cuz i would say one of the best ways that i've ran into people is walking places right and so in these yeah. uh suburbanization neighborhoods where it's not pedestrian friendly makes it so you encounter people less often. So that's something I've been trying to uh, look at, and that's part of the reason we chose to live in the town that we chose to, is mm. it is a walkable town, right? I, yeah. The people at the coffee shop know me, right? The post office knows me. The hardware store knows me. And so we intentionally chose a smaller town so we, and, and in town, so we could know people and um, be seen and see other people. I totally agree with that. I also yeah. frequent the YouTube urban planning scene. <laughs> David, you do that? Like, what is that about our personalities that we just enjoy that? What the city heck is beautiful? That? The, oh, the yes, uh, not just bikes. the bike dude. I forget. Um, yeah, not just the, bikes. The cranky guy who just like gets mad at every city that's not New York or San Francisco. City. Yeah. What is his name? He might be city nerd. I don't know. Yeah. He really hates every city except for New York and San Francisco. Yes. I am not in that world, so tell us about it. <laughs> okay, it's a whole thing. Um, but basically, like, the rise of suburbanization, like, right after yeah. the, the World War II. And it truly is, like I've mentioned before, um, I think on this podcast, like, the rise of urbanization in the Industrial Revolution is when people started moving away from, like, their hometowns or, like, the place they grew up 
to go to cities to find places to work. And the issue, that's when mental health issues started skyrocketing because suddenly people were outside of their like social, uh, social nets. Yes, exactly. The people that they knew and who knew them deeply. And, um, that's when they like created the field of counseling because you had to suddenly like hire people to be your friend and like have to walk through these things with you. Which brings us to today's sponsor, BetterHelp. <laughs> Do you Joke. struggle with friends? Hire someone. No, there is a need Therapy's for therapy, good. We're obviously. Not yeah, we both felt the need to wait, wait, wait. But um sorry. Yes. But anyway, um that like every time you move, you're reinventing yourself. You know, and like people don't necessarily know you anymore. And so like, I think that we're seeing that a lot in our generation right now, that people are moving a lot and that you don't necessarily get the time to develop those close long-term friendships because one, either we're only going to be here three years or two, we just left somewhere or, you know, like there's, there's not that commitment and that rootedness to a town anymore. And like David was saying, the way that we've designed our cities is you go from your car, from your house into your garage to get into your car to drive. So you literally don't have to encounter anyone else along the way to get to your office, do your work, whatever. And then you can get back in your car and come back. And we hate the inconvenience of having to go to the grocery store, see other humans, the inconvenience of even picking up food, the rise of the meal delivery apps. But like, uh, if you lived in like an urban city where like you have to take the bus or you have to take the subway or you're going to walk past people on the sidewalk, like you're going to see other people. Yeah. But it is also easy to be really anonymous in those spaces and not to like know people. Well, it's a good point. Cause even like as we live in a lot, like in a, not a, in a larger city than where our Louisville is not walkable, like, you know, from where we live, but we still live like in a pocket within that city where we get our coffee and we do our grocery shopping. And like my, like my baristas know me and like, I bump into people that I know who live in my neighborhood and stuff. So to speak to what you're saying, like Noah base and David, the moving out to the suburbs kind of destroyed that, organic community that was created in just your everyday life because for us even though we live in a larger city we still operate almost like in a small town within a city where we are doing a lot of things and seeing a lot of the same people and even if those aren't deep meaningful connections it still creates a sense of community when i know who i'm going to see when i walk in somewhere and i know i'm going to be greeted by name like when i go get my hair cut and when i go to the gas station and stuff um so yeah so Go ahead. Yeah, it really is something that you have to, like, choose to do, you know, because I think it's interesting now how, like, because of, like, the internet, because of even phones before that, like, you can be closer to someone who lives very far away from you than the person who lives right next to you. place to go so if we're talking about like what is what's changed about the landscape that's made making friends right now in 2023 so difficult for us <laughs> for those of us that have grown up to talk through it's pretty interesting to think about the actual like geography and like how our world has changed and how our cities are built that has changed the way that we interact with people but the biggest elephant in the room in this conversation is probably how technology has changed the way that we interact with people and relate to others and ourselves. So what are, what do you feel like are the technological barriers that have, you know, cause we could talk about the benefits. Like we could talk about how we're on a podcast right now. Like we're FaceTiming and technology's mm-hmm. brought us together. Whoop de woohoo. That's true. Mm-hmm. But, um, we're also, all of us are, are kind of struggling to make friends in our communities. So what do you guys feel like, what hurdles has technology introduced 
to us making friends. I've got a good one. The phone is a social safety net, like a safety blanket. Unpack that. If you are walking into a new situation, you don't have to make new friends because you can sit on your phone and talk or not talk to your other acquaintances. Dang. Like, if you're waiting in line somewhere, you don't do what the old people do and say, oh, hey, how's the weather today? <laughs> yeah. Instead, you can Twitter, doom scroll, like, look at something for a second, text somebody. Like, you don't have to interact with the humans around you because you have your safety blanket in your phone. That's good. I wonder, too, if uh, it's that comparison, right? You know, you can you can see what people are doing on social media, or even, you know, we see the friendships on TV shows or media or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, this person's not as cool as this person, or, th- like, that, that uh, sense of, like, well, if I if I could choose anyone, I would rather have this as my friend. So, like, you know, Netflix and stuff has made it so it's like the perfect friend is somewhere out there. I just have to find them. Mm. And it's and it's to me, it's it's like talking about like church, right? People want the perfect church. Well, there's mm. not going to be a church you agree with 100. percent And I think that's the same with friends, right? We have this like ideal of like I want a friend who, you know is this awesome at mountain biking and cooks a really good chili and this, 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 and this. <laughs> and that person's not actually there, right? That's not out there. But what's around you is there. And so, you know, maybe having your like, okay, these are some serious requirements of someone I want as a close friend. Um, but um, I don't know. It's also interesting to like, you know, most people make their friends – when they're in elementary, middle, high college, right? And it's because you're with them every day. Yeah. And the problem is when you're an adult, the people you're with every day are your people you work with, right? And so I think that that's a big thing as well because the work environment, that's a whole nother episode, I think, too. Yeah, that's too. true. So. Yeah. Um, I think when I, like, I just think about, the rise in just to think about dating apps, right? Like just think about the nature of what a dating app is. Mm-hmm. And people like, I know people will still use like hinge and things to like, look, they'll be like, check the box. I'm looking for friends. Like I'm not just looking for a relationship, like for a relationship, I'm looking for friendship or something, but even the nature of finding friends like that, um, you're, you kind of look at a picture and you get, a quick summary of who this person is and it's, you know, here's some, here's some of the interesting things and you make a decision on whether or not they're worth your time. Like basically like, you know, do, do I put them in the, I want to continue or I don't really, or I'm moving on category. And like, that sounds cold, but that's really what's happening is your, is people are going. And I, I think that just speaks to almost the, um, I, I don't know, like, in some ways, like relationships and people are becoming more and more disposable or like if they wow. don't serve me, then I just, I cut them off or I don't like, you know, it's, it, you, that you just move on. And that's really, friendships are forged through really difficult things. Like, you know, um, David, we haven't hung out that much, but we've been through some difficult times together <laughs> when we have ah! hung out. Um, and, camaraderie know, through trauma yeah trauma bondings through stuff but like you know i just think in our culture especially in relationships we're just told we are taught to run from things that are hard or when people make us uncomfortable like we are right now the cultural like consensus is that you can't nah, i don't want to say cancel because that's the buzzword but like you don't you kind of distance yourself or you set clear boundaries with them and be like well i don't want to be around them or something but I just think that – what I'm trying to say is I think that relationships and friendships in general, we are looking for – we're looking, like like you said, David, for the perfect person. We're trying to find people that just fit these boxes. And when people don't, right off the bat, we're like, oh, it's not – and that we all, we're all fighting that. Like I'm fighting that too. Um, the hard thing is to find people who are um, 
like see that and know that and want to swim against the current and like link arms and say, you know, we're going to be friends. And yeah, we, you know what I mean? That's, I think that's part of like what needs to happen is people, people realizing that we have a serious lack of friendship in our lives, like in our, in our day to day as a culture, like in the church, um, just in America, like we are missing something that we really need. And it's hard to combat that unless you find people that, recognize it and then are willing to like journey with you side by side and try to do something about it, you know, but I just was going to re restate just that, um, kind of this term of like utilitarian relationship. Like it has to serve a function. This person has to do X, Y, and Z for me. And if they're not doing that, then I should probably just move on. And yeah, I think we, yeah. I also would just like to add to the mile wide, and inch deep relationships we feel on social media. Well, I've got a thousand friends on Facebook, I think. Oh, I remember, well, I remember being like in high school and being like, I can't, oh, I want a thousand friends because Noah had a thousand friends. Oh my I gosh. Did. And I was like, Noah has a thousand friends. I want a thousand friends. And now, but like, I don't, like, I know all these random things about people on Facebook. Like, I know when they get a new dog and I know when they go to the hospital. But I like couldn't tell you anything about them personally, like about who, you know, there's a lot that I, I have, we have all these superficial, like fake, you know, this like counterfeit intimacy with people when we just see highlights, but then we just feel lonely at the end of the day. So just to tag that on there. Oof. I think that the key of what you were saying there with the utilitarian relationships is that we're very self-centered. That it's really all about me. It's how do you serve me? Do you make me feel happy? And if not, then I don't need you in my life. But like, there's no commitment, you know, and there's no, friendship is like the least defined of relationships, right? Like people don't yeah. just say like, we're friends. Like, yeah. yes, let's be friends. <laughs> and uh, I think that that can be a really hard thing. And we need those spaces where we like, are with people in proximity, you know, because when you like spend significant time together, that's when you start to recognize if you want to grow deeper with them and be friends with them. Yeah. I think about what you said, Sam, when you said um, men especially need an activity to do together. Yeah. And that when we have an activity, it's like so much easier just to start talking about things and being together and like for my roommate Michael, good friend of the podcast, good good friend of mine, <laughs> great guy. <laughs> That's a callback. Yes. Um, when we moved in together, the first day I met him, he was doing a workout in the house here, and I said, "Do you like to work out?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "I want to work out." And he said, "Oh, cool." And so I said, "Let's go to the gym together." And he's like, "Great." I was like, "We set three days a week to go to the gym." And suddenly we were spending like six hours a week just like working out together, you know, and like that significant time working out, we just started to share more of our lives in between sets. As we go, I was walking through hard things. He was walking through hard things. And it's just something that we would share as we were going. And it was sweet. And it was a foundation of a really good friendship, you know. So I think that like because of our busyness as a culture, like – um, we don't set aside that kind of time and space for proximity. I think that even yeah. like it takes the intentionality to say, yes, let's go to the gym together. You yeah. know, I think about when I'm moving to Atlanta and like, I'm going to be going to a, a planet fitness there, you know, and like, how am I going to meet people at that gym? Who's going to be my workout buddies? You know, that feels like impossible. You know, those are like strangers at the gym, but like just how valuable that time has been with Michael to get to know him more. And that's a good point. Like friendships aren't really, how do you say like, uh, they're not like quantifiable or like choosing to like spend time with somebody. Like I can't check something, check a box after I hang out or build like deeper relationships with people. <laughs> you know, they're, they're don't, they're not like productive. I guess if we're in a culture that's very focused on like accomplishment and doing things and, like being busy and having like busy, like full calendars and stuff. Like that's not a, 
you know, spend time with buddies is not like something that people like pencil into their calendars or we don't like place a high value on just being with people like that um, culturally. And other cultures do. Like I think other cultures like approach meals differently. Other cultures approach like time, like just all like how you spend time with people differently. And we are like, I think as like as Americans, we are just much more, we're much more about efficiency. That's the word. Friendships aren't always efficient because they require slowing down and they require leisure and they require taking the long way home. Um, and that's just pretty counterculture to the world that we're in right now. That is saying, take the fast lane, take the shortcut. But I think we're, we're, what we're talking about is that's leaving us pretty lonely. So. I, uh, I was thinking back to different friendships and the, the thing that hit me is don't underestimate the unanticipated friendships or the one that you wouldn't pick for yourself. Uh, cause I was thinking to my time at Taylor and then my time at Asbury, the two of my closest friends are people I would have never picked for myself, right? If I was making my checkbox of who I want in a friend and how I would have made that friend, neither of them would have even been on the scoreboard and yet I couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine uh, yeah. my life with, without them. Um, Dang. and so I, th- I think that's a really like even just a good reminder for myself, right? Um, trying to intentionally make friends here in the greater indie area. It's like, yeah, these are things that I think are important. But then I look back at my college roommate and uh, one of my best friends at seminary. It's like the dude in seminary, super into sports. I don't care about sports. Right. And, and, and all this kind of stuff that I would have thought was important, wasn't as important to him, but we had this common you know, the, the core was there, right? We both were going into ministry, but we both loved Jesus. And what what our friendship was built on was just spending time together, doing things. Like, I would say, hey, Kendall, I'm running to Walmart. Do you want to come with me? Yeah, I'll come with you. He'd say, hey, I'm doing homework and watching baseball. I said, that sounds horrible, but I'll be right there. <laughs> I'll pretend to care with you. Man. Yeah. Watching so baseball? I, oh, he, that dude good friend he there was one year he only missed like i think he said like 20 or 30 games and if you know oh, anything bad. about the mlb that's crazy yeah yeah wow if you it, are listening and you like to watch baseball you're not a fan of our podcast we get out understand. <laughs> yeah better help <laughs> <laughs> this All is right. a group intervention <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's got real personal <laughs> But that leads us really well to if only God had created a network of social relationships for humans to find social support and mutual care and love. Oh, he did. I forgot. <laughs> and it's the church. We're setting you up, listeners. It's the church. <laughs> when Jesus died, he saved us into family. That yeah. you're not just saved individually, but you're saved into the family of God. And that he doesn't desire for us to be lone rangers, but to be a part of community. And so why doesn't the church operate that way? Or why do you think it's difficult even in church settings to build friendships and relationships? Because Jesus said to his disciples in John, remember when he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Mm. He said that to us. So that's why it's hard? No, I just wanted to get that in there. Oh, yes. <laughs> I remembered that one of them wanted to say it. I know the um, verse. Yeah. Why is, why is our, yeah. Why is our church, what is, what's wrong with our church culture that making friendships is difficult? I think I could, I would say, we've talked about this before, but like the new like church planting movements or like the churches that are being planted now, I think are picking up on this. And are placing a higher emphasis on uh, community groups, placing a higher emphasis on, no, you, like you've said, the new family of God that the church is supposed to supposed to be, like brothers and sisters. Um, 
and stuff. So I think that there is some course correction happening. Like at the church we're at, we're attending now before the, um, who's ever reading the scripture that morning, they introduce themselves as so-and-so a part of so-and-so's community group. Like there's a higher emphasis. Yeah. So there's like intentionality and emphasis about like, these are my people and like, this is that. But I think that is a course correction because we've, there's maybe some things about church culture that have gotten off, off course. David, you were talking earlier about small towns and how you knew your, you used to know your grocer and your barber and your cobbler in the 1800s. But like, it was also very normal to know your pastor. And there's, I think there's, I know there's a lot of people in America right now who don't really know their pastors. Like having a friendship with their pastor is not, that's not our, when I grew up, my lead pastor had a security team. Like you couldn't try to be a, you know, like there was a, there was definitely a, it felt like there was a relational wall up there. So I, I just think about, I think that that is a, a, just in how, I don't know what exactly I'm getting at, but yeah, I think that for a while we don't have, we haven't had churches that are like placing a high value on this personally. I don't know. Somebody put words in my mouth or do something with that. I think it just comes back to that individualism and just the kind of like way that uh that we structure church to come in everybody faces forward the thing happens on the stage you're there to watch that's how you participate you know and that's not really relational because like we're side by side in the pews we're not like meeting each other except for the turn and greet your neighbor for 10 seconds which everybody hates everyone hates it it's so awkward just let me be (laughs) you know and then the pastor is separated up on the stage or behind the pulpit or there's the uh you know they they in in older churches there's a sacristy where they're they're at before the service or like today we would call that the green room you know so there's like a space (laughs) Where yeah. where they keep the holy things. <laughs> There's a space. Wait, what's a sacristy? I've never heard that one. Yes, you have. You studied sacramental <laughs> theology. You know exactly what that is. It's where they... Uh, I'm impressed the you knew that word. It's it's the room in the church where a priest prepares for service, where vestments and other things used in worship are kept. That's a great word of the day. Sacristy. <laughs> oh, the sacristy has been defiled. No. But anyway, friendship. So like, yes, if our pastors and church leaders are spending time before and after the service hiding away in a, in a room to go up onto the stage and then disappear, they're not going to like build relationships in the yeah. community. They're not going to build friends. They're going to build a, uh, a separation relationship where it's about how you present yourself. And I think Sam, you and I like picked up on that as high school yeah. kids serving as leaders in youth group that like, it was so much about the way that people perceived us. Yes. You know? Yeah. And you go. No, I I really, like, that was when I was a youth minister in Mississippi when I was very young. It was, <laughs> like, I really, that was a lot of my inner, like, turmoil. or That was really hard for me, was feeling like I had to be really stoic or really, like, I had to present myself as a minister. Hmm. And I couldn't be, like, friends with the people in my age group or something. Um, yeah, it was, it wasn't like crippling or bad, but looking back, I was like, yeah, I really didn't, um, I didn't feel like I had permission to be friends with people in the congregation. Like I wanted, like I probably should have been and not because any, like, cause that's what I, that's what I had picked up on that. If you're, if you're a pastor, you are other, or that you are supposed to set the example, which means you have to kind of be kind of rogue and on your own or something i don't know yeah you you couldn't allow yourself to be a normal guy yeah couldn't just like be like yeah i'm just a dude because just like yeah (laughs) pastors had to be on pedestals pastors were different Uh, and special i feel like i've had a hard time like there's not a lot of pastors i've met that i'm like i want to hang out with this guy right because that it's that attitude like i need to be like if, if i'm a reverend I need to be revered, revered. Right. And so there's this like, there's this like aura. They'll like, ah, I'm, uh, you know, they, they'll put off this vibe where it's like, I have to be 
I can't be un you know can't be caught with my shirt untucked type of mentality. And so hmm. I think that's the problem is pastors need to be real and authentic. And so my hope is we can continue to help that that pendulum shift. Well, because it is it is so so hard for pastors in the church and leaders in the church to make friends. Like so many church leaders feel very lonely in their work. Like people always say ministry is lonely work and it's just like it shouldn't be. You know, it's not meant to be. God's not saying go do this by yourself, but he's like saying do this work in community and I think that Maybe part of the reason why it's hard for us as leaders to make friends is because of that idea that, like, there has to be a divide. And, like, I have to be holy and I can't be a normal person who has to repent of my sins and believe in Jesus just like everybody else. You know, that it's like, I'm broken too. And you're going to see some of that if you are close enough to me. Like, if... Uh, I just, yeah, I can't really see in the early church, like them being together house to house day after day, like thinking that their leaders were really all that, you know, like it feels like they would, they would know it's not that they would never see them with their shirts untucked. They would see them like lounging around sometimes just as a normal person. Yeah. Or just think about Peter, like, right. Like the, the one that Jesus is like, you will have the keys to the kingdom is also the one who denied him like, like on while on trial. And just, but just like the very, yeah, that's pretty untucked. That's pretty like, dang, you've got some stuff you're working through. But isn't that, like, isn't that where some pretty, that's where faith becomes very real. Or that's where like the role of a pastor, I think, is pretty incredible to be, to open your life up to people while also taking on position of like authority in the church and responsibility in the church and say, hey, I'm going to be like, I'm committing my life to be, you know, an example of faith and what it means to walk faithfully with Jesus. And that means being honest about, yeah, like things aren't always buttoned up and like I have struggles too, but the way that people see you, you know, process grief and work through temptation and deal with loss and all the things that comes that, that come with being a human being like in following Jesus and like people actually seeing that um, in ministers and being close to that, like that's pretty, I think that's the, the opposite of that would be, you know, the very stoic pastor who you really don't know anything about, who just feels like they have it all together. They're always like buttoned up and always have a Bible verse to spout out like, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like those are the two opposites and I uh, ends of the, maybe not complete opposites, but m- finding that middle of, yeah, intentionally as ministers taking up the call to serve the church in a special way, but also not feeling like that removes us from just normal life with people and being exactly. honest with people and sharing our sharing our lives with people. And that's what I like. What I think as we're unpacking, that's what I feel like we've missed or we've we've gotten away from that. At least in my circles. <laughs> church cultivate a culture of friendship i don't know <laughs> uh i think this is gonna be not Wait, a hot stair- take do the staircase say this somebody say the staircase thing so our staircase is somewhere today is sponsored by staircases uh <laughs> i think and th- maybe this is an old old wine, wine new wineskin kind of situation. But I feel like that um, an easy next step for a lot of churches is reintegrating a midweek meal service opportunity. Ooh. I, I know it's kind of old school, but it's a way where you sit down, you have a meal with the random people in your church. It's a good way to get to know the old ladies and old men at the church, right? And you intentionally set that time aside to eat with those people 
and then to go and do a Bible study, right? To me, the Wednesday, like your classic Wednesday night service yeah. is going to be more aligned with your church history, right? Where you share a meal together and mm-hmm. then you yeah. discuss the word together. And so I think a re a renewal, uh, reinvigoration of your midweek meal and service is a pretty easy step a lot of churches could take to fix this problem. Says the guy who isn't doing it at his church. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. No, the problem yeah. is you got to have like you got to have this the labor to be able to yeah. put the meals together. So that's yeah. easier said than done. I think I think the um, on a church level, like if we're talking like what can churches do, um, I think continuing to place emphasis on the like incarnate in person like in whole like intertwining our lives together mm-hmm. to where to where it is like when church spills over into our messy living rooms mm-hmm. that's when i think beautiful things start to happen when church spills over into long car rides together and church spills into you know the whatever the, the those those moments when it's not just in this sanctioned building but it's really in the most intimate part of our lives and what it means for us to be just the people that we are. Um, that's, that's when church really, uh, I think, and it can be beautiful in all these places, but I think that's what we need as a culture is church to, um, really infiltrate those, those spaces. And that takes, that takes intentionality and that takes, um, sacrificing efficiency because it is more efficient to have a building where people go to sing the songs and do the thing than it from, is to like sh- from specific time to specific time. Yeah, according to planning center, as like you know, so everybody gets out at lunch. But um, sacrificing efficiency for the sake of friendship in in the church and deeper relationship, I think, is a is something that needs to happen. Yeah, I think it's something that our pastors and leaders have to model. You know, like it's it's something that we need to teach as a church that it's not just about like coming in to watch, but it's participating in the family, you know, and that it's not about consumerism, but it's about what can I give, uh, not what I what can I get out of this. And so like simple things like um, next time you go to a church service, like looking around and recognizing like who don't I know, you know, and just introducing yourself to one person. You know, uh, that's something that any church attender could do as a way to just start getting to know people better and kind of like start turning off that, like, um, that, that focus of, um, just individual spiritual experience rather than communal. But I think that our pastors really, we have to allow ourselves to have friends. You know, we have to take the effort and intentionality that it takes to seek out true being known without fear of what if they know? Like, what if they do know? Then they know what Jesus is saving you from. <laughs> then they know how God's spirit is at work in your life. Like, I think that that is so important and will protect us from burnout, will protect us from falling into sin because we have those true relationships around us of people who care and want our good. So I think, as we're starting to land this plane, um, we've talked about what does the church need to do? Well, we did start the episode with kind of like feeling like we, we all just recognizing all of us, everybody listening may be struggling with finding good friends or deepening friendships. Do you guys have anything on the smaller scale? Not like, not just like here's the big corporate or like, let's talk about church, but just how, what are some friendship practices that you have really valued in your own life or maybe some wisdom for people who are struggling with finding close friends right now? Cause it can feel really conceptual to be like, well, pastors need to do this and we need to have a different emphasis on this. Like that's all great. But what if I'm feeling lonely now? What can I do? And I, I, I can start at least by just sharing from, I mean, this podcast was birthed out of, in some senses, a f- sense of loneliness that we all felt individually. And we recognize that and kind of just made the decision to say yes to 
whatever the heck this is. And it's been a really good out. Like it's been, it's filled my cup weekly to get on a call with guys that just are easy for me to talk to and that I love. So Wait, that's my advice to start a podcast. Love <laughs> <laughs> I love you, David. <laughs> but I think if you are struggling, start with, a podcast. That's a funny. Yeah, that's the advice. advice is start a podcast. <laughs> no, but I think if you there's you probably have somebody in your life, even if you don't live close to them, that somebody that does fill your cup, somebody that does like recharge your battery. And I would just, I would really encourage you to tell them that you need to create intentional time to talk to them yeah. for your own like emotional, um, like for your own emotional health. Like be honest about your need and say, hey, like as a friend, I need you on Mondays from 5.30 to 6.30. I really do for a season and see where that goes. Because it's been really good for us, for me to have guys that I've just been like, look, I need you. Can we just talk? And it's been really, so even if you feel like they're not in your, in your city, even if it is a long distance thing, hopefully it is in your city, but do the hard thing and set time aside and sacrifice to, to invest in that relationship or those relationships. That's yeah. my like advice. Absolutely. Yes. My advice is initiate. I hear from people all the time. Nobody reaches out to me. And I think that we need to reach out to people. You know, like if you're really waiting on someone to call or text you, just call and text them. If you're like feeling like nobody invites me to do anything, invite a couple people to do something. You know, like there's so few people who are initiating that when you do, people are going to be like, oh, that's really nice of you. Yeah. Even if they can't do it this time, you know, you took the step and that's valuable to follow through with that. I know that like this last year, me and Sam talked every Monday, basically, yeah. for an entire year. And it just became like, it was my um, day off of work. And I knew that Sam got out around three or four o'clock. And so I would call him and we would catch up. And we went through rough season last yeah. year. Right. Yeah. And it meant so much to me to know that Sam and I had Mondays, that we would talk and that we would walk through things, even though we lived over a thousand miles apart. And like, he was so, so, so important to me in that time to be able to work through some really difficult things. And it just started with thinking, man, I would really like to talk to Sam more. <laughs> yeah. And I think that we have really grown in our friendship in the last year, few years, yeah. even though we live so far away from each other. And like, it is beautiful, like how God can continue to do that when we will intentionally set aside the time. Yeah. I like the reminder that everyone's friendly. No, I'm not. Sorry. Let me restart that. <laughs> no one what? is. Friendly. Everyone is lonely. Mm. Right? Like what do we say? 60 something percent of people yeah. feel. So it's a good reminder. So for me, when I go to Home Depot and I see that dude, I'm like, Hey, I look, he looks like I it could be friends with him. Go approach strangers. Don't listen to your mom from kindergarten. <laughs> Go Maybe talk to strangers. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're grown. They can't hurt you. Well, yeah. they can, but... Eh. You're, you're big. You're big. <laughs> I'm a big boy. I could be a linebacker. <laughs> Shakes his head. I would say a, a specific note to, at least to guys as a guy, but probably to ladies too, don't underestimate the the value of doing things together. Like we're doing a podcast, working on a project, like change, building a, Building my garage. Building a garage this summer. Working um, out, playing working a game out. you like. Yeah, like, don't feel like you have to just... Noah and I were able to pick up the phone and talk because we did have a pretty decent friendship to start. We but, have a lot of years of doing fun stuff together. Yeah, like, I've had really deep friendships. Like, just find... If you're trying to build it with somebody, don't feel like you have to sit on the couch and be like... Just tell me about you. <laughs> we don't have to do coffee dates. Yeah, go play pickleball, man. Go do it. Like, go play play Ticket to Ride. Like, just have fun. Or even invite them to, to go. I honestly, one of my favorite things I did was, I like, hey, I got to go run short, run and do some errands. Yeah. Come do errands with me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, would you say we're friends? Yes. David, we are friends. 
I think we are experts on this subject, so I'm glad they, that they listened to us. Then. So you're welcome. Yeah, this one was free. But guys, it was great to, to talk with you, and, and I like that idea that, like, you know what? Maybe just our wives or future wives are listening, but it's, um, it's good for us, and I, I'm hopeful it can help other people out. Uh, so thank you for this. 10 years of doing this podcast together. Yeah. Right. Ten, a decade. Happy anniversary, decade. you guys. Yeah. Happy anniversary. One podcast episode a year, so we're at 10 years. Wow. It's been real. Well, thank you for listening to Staircase to Nowhere. We are your friends. No, God we're is not. Your friend. <laughs> yes, and it is. Jesus is your friend, and you can be a good friend. And there's friends out there. Amen. Send us a, a message on Spotify if you uh, have any comments on how to make friends. Oh, and yeah. and uh, we we do read those comments. We love them. Keep them we coming. Them. Keep them coming. Send them emails. And that's all I have to say. Noah, you can say our final farewell. Sacristy. <laughs> See ya. On that note. <laughs> Bye.